uh, uh, Jesus Christ is tempted by a lawyer, really by a scribe, uh, at this uh, at this point in Luke's account, and Jesus's response. Uh, is the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're going to read both of these things here in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. So we'll begin at verse 25 in the 10th chapter of Luke. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? So we'll stop reading there. We'll go on with the parable that Jesus spoke here in just a little while. Uh, but again, this, uh, this man, this lawyer, this scribe, uh, stands to tempt Jesus, the scripture says. Now, folks, if you've got study Bibles, uh, commentaries that you might use, it may say that this scribe or this lawyer had good intentions in asking Jesus Christ uh, what he must do to inherit eternal life. But, folks, the Bible plainly makes the statement that he stood to tempt Jesus Christ. He stood to try Jesus Christ. He was looking just as the Pharisees did and just as the chief priests and everyone else that was against Jesus Christ and his ministry did. He was looking for Jesus to say something that he could entrap him with, that he could turn the people against Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he stood to tempt Jesus Christ, and I believe what the Bible says. This man did not have good intentions when he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He had ill intentions. He had evil intentions. He had the intention of, of, of framing Jesus Jesus Christ of entrapping Jesus Christ and turning everyone that was around them at this time uh, against Jesus Christ against the Son of God. So this man, he asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns it right back around on him and says, what's in the law? This man was a lawyer. It was his job as a scribe to know the law. It was his job as a, as a scribe or a lawyer to interpret what the law, the Word of God said, the Old Testament Scriptures. It was his job when people came to him and said, what, what about this problem that I'm having? Or what about that problem? What about this sin? Or what about that sin? It was this man's job to tell these people exactly what the Torah said and the rest of the Old Testament scriptures. It was his job to inform them what the Word of God said and to rightly interpret it to these people. So when he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus flips it back around on him and says, what say the law. How do you read it? How do you read the law? And the man answered and said, the law says to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy soul and all thy strength and, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. This man quoted from the book of Deuteronomy and he quoted from the book of Leviticus here and he quoted correctly according to the words of Jesus Christ. But folks, I'm afraid that our churches nowadays 
are full of people, are full of so-called Christians that can quote the Bible from beginning to end. They know that Jesus Christ came to this world to save sinners. They know about his suffering on a tree on Golgotha. They know all of these things, but they do not know the man, Jesus Christ. This man here asked the question about eternal life. Jesus Christ could have simply told him, hey, all you have to do is believe on me, the Messiah, the promised one. All you have to do is put your faith and your trust in me. But this man should have known what the scripture said. He should have known that the very seed that was promised in Genesis 3 was standing before him. Jesus turned it around on him. Right. We do well. We would do well. Not only as a local body of believers, not only as a local congregation or a local church, we would do well as the entirety of the body of Christ to read this scripture and to take it to heart. When your family comes to you and they say, what must I do to inherit eternal life? When your friends come to you, when your spouse comes to you, when your children come to you and they say, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Hey, this scribe. He was all about the law. He was all about do, 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 do this and do that. And you can have life. But folks, Jesus Christ said he searched the scriptures. Thinking that in them you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me. The entire Old Testament uh, testified of Jesus Christ. It testified of the grace of God. It testified of the mercy of God. It testified that, hey, you might be in oppression for years, for decades, for hundreds of years, but I am sending one that will release you from this oppression, that will free you. And if the Son of God frees you, hallelujah, you are free indeed. Praise God. Praise the Lord. This cry, this Lord asks a simple question. And Jesus asked one in return. What says the law? What says your law that you know so well? And he answers them. And Jesus said, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. And he goes on. And the scripture goes on. And he said unto him, or I'm sorry, but he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Folks, this wasn't a sincere question. It wasn't sincere at all. There was nothing sincere about this lawyer or about this scribe. Nothing sincere about him. And all he says, and who is my neighbor? Folks, this was a Jew. And he was not only a Jew, he was a Jew of the Jews. He was a scribe. He was a lawyer. He knew the Old Testament well. He knew what they had of the Bible well uh, well at this point. From the book of Genesis on through Malachi, this man would have known the scriptures. He should have known exactly who his neighbor was. But folks, the, the, the Jews, they were in the exact same boat that many of the Christians 
are in nowadays. The Christians, they want their four and no more to go to heaven. Their focus just on their family. This man here, this lawyer that Jesus Christ was addressing, he says, and who is my neighbor? Thinking that only the Jews were his neighbor. Hey, those Samaritans weren't his neighbors. It was against, it was against what everything that this man believed to even be associated with a Gentile. It was against his belief. It was against his system. It was against his religiosity and everything in it to be friends with anyone or be neighbors with anyone or be concerned with the welfare of anyone other than a fellow Jew. And Christians are the same way. Shame on us. Shame on us. We need to be out. We need to be out telling people. Folks, we're about to get into this parable here of the Good Samaritan that we've heard all of our lives. We're about to get, read this parable here that Jesus Christ spoke. The folks, you remember as we read through this parable, at one time in your life, you were just like that man that was on his way down to Jericho from Jerusalem. He was on his way down. He fell among the thieves. You were just like he was, though. He was laying there naked. He was laying there wounded. He was laying there, and he was half dead, according to the scriptures. But it took one to come his way, and not, not just anybody could do it. Not just anybody was even willing to help this man. But it took one to come his way and to give him aid and to promise that he would come back through at a later time. Hallelujah. Amen. We read this parable. We read this parable and we think, this Samaritan, that's just showing what I'm supposed to be. That's showing how good I'm supposed to be. It's showing the good that I'm supposed to do in this world. And it is a picture of that. Don't you get me wrong. But folks, we go deeper than that. It shows exactly what Jesus Christ is in the life of a lost sinner as well. Yes, in, in answer to this man's question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And in answer to his question, and whom is my neighbor? Jesus spoke this parable. We'll read it now. It says in verse 30, And Jesus answered, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down from a certain there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levi, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, and when he saw him he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that, that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. So here we have this short little parable that has uh, so much in it that Jesus Christ spoke to this man that asked the question, uh, What must I do to have eternal life? And who is my neighbor? Jesus Christ spoke as he said, There was a certain man. We don't know who this man was, but I am persuaded that the parables that Jesus Christ spoke, most of them he would have spoke with the situations and with circumstances that the people would have been familiar with, something that had gone 
known in their lives that they had heard tell of. I'm persuaded personally that this actually happened at some point down the line. The people or the person that Jesus Christ was addressing here, this lawyer, he would have been familiar with the situation. But the Bible says that this certain man went down from Jerusalem and he was going down to Jericho. Folks, that was the first mistake that he made. Church, saints of God, you hear me now. The place of Jerusalem, that was the place that Almighty God had put his name. That was the place of blessing. That was the place that God claimed for his own. And this man had left the place of blessing. He had left Jerusalem and he was headed south toward Jericho, about 15 miles, give or take. He was going to a place that was cursed. In the book of Joshua, chapter 6, Joshua said that any man that raised that city will be raising the walls upon his oldest and be raising the gates upon his youngest. He was leaving the place of blessing and he was going to the place of a curse. That was his first mistake. Yes, it wasn't his fault that he fell among the thieves. You read in church history, not in your Bibles. But you'll read in church history that Herod had released about 40,000 priests at this point, relieved them of their duties. They had nothing to do. They had no jobs. There weren't that many jobs in Jerusalem. What did they retire to doing? We're talking about priests. They retired to being highwaymen. They were, many of them did. I ain't saying all of them did. They retired to do exactly what we read about here. At this time, there was only about 12,000 priests working the temple in Jerusalem. You say, Spencer, only 12,000? My goodness. You think about the jobs that the priests had, though. You think about the long hours that they put into that temple service. But Herod took it upon himself to relieve these uh, this 40,000 of their duties. And many of them didn't have jobs to go to. They didn't have anything to do. So all they could do was retire to a life of crime. And these people are the very ones that very well could have been the one that, that, that seized upon this man that was going down from Jerusalem under Jericho. Jericho is where the priests live. It's where the scribes live. It's where the chief priests live. Hey, it was, it was not within the city of blessing. It was to the city of curse that they retired to because they loved the palms. They loved the scenery. They loved the people down there instead of being in the place that God had claimed as his own and that God said the Messiah would come to and that Messiah would rise from. Instead of being in this place, they had moved to a place south of here and this man was traveling on his way when he fell among the thieves. And we read about a priest that came by. This priest comes by. And we read about a Levite that comes by. A priest and a Levite. Two people that should have known the law better than anybody. Two people that should have known this law that this lawyer had just uttered to Jesus Christ about loving the Lord and loving thy neighbor. The two people on the face of the planet that didn't come by happenstance. They didn't come by chance. They came because they had an, an almighty appointed time by God to go by there. They came by and just as the law is powerless to say anyone. These men that represented the law were powerless to help this man. My goodness, you read in the book of Ruth. You read in the last little bit of Ruth, there was a kinsman near him in Boaz. There was a kinsman near him and Boaz was willing to redeem Ruth. 
He was willing to take her in. He was willing to redeem her, to take her in, to take care of her, and to prosper her. Boaz was willing to do this, but the kinsman that was nearer than him, he had first dibs on her because of the laws, because of the laws of the land. But he said, I cannot redeem her. Folks, the law cannot redeem you. You hear me now? The law is powerless to redeem you. It cannot do so. There was never a law written that was able to redeem you, that was able to write, uh, to redeem mankind. The reason that the law was given was twofold. One was to show you that you're a filthy, rotten, black, wicked, disgusting sinner in the eyes of God. And the other reason that the law was given was to show the righteousness of the God that came here, manifest himself in the flesh, and kept his law every judge and every tittle precept upon precept and line upon line he was able to keep it all it shows you your sin and it shows you his glory and his righteousness and his holiness Amen. I promise you the law is not able to save you these men that represented the law here the priest and the scribe the priest you could even say represented religion folks religion can't save you you can be as religious as you want to. You can go to every church service. You can wear crosses around your neck. You can have the I'm a Christian bumper sticker all you want. You can wear the t-shirts. You can go to the, the, the concerts and the gospel singings. You can do all you want to and still end up in hell. Right. You can read the Bible day in and day out and be able to quote it better than any better than any Bible scholar that has ever lived or will ever live that will not save you. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You repent and you believe the gospel. That's the words of the scripture. That's the words that Christ spoke in Mark chapter 1. He said the time of God is at hand and the, and the, king, or the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. This is the key to being saved. You repent of your wicked ways. You repent of your sinful life and you repent because you have believed the good news that has entered into your ears. You believe the Holy Ghost of God that has pricked your heart with conviction and showed you that you have offended and you have committed crimes against the cross holy God of the universe. Repent and believe. That's how we get saved. The priest and the Levite were powerless to do anything. So as they passed by on the other side, they saw him. They saw him, but they went to the other side of the road to avoid him. Thinking this is Jewish territory. That whole road that ran from Jerusalem down to Jericho. All but just the last tail end of it before he got to Jericho. It was all Jewish territory. I bet they were thinking, we'll let some other Jews take care of him. I'm too good. Folks, those of us that have true religion, those of us that have true salvation, it is our job and it is a commandment over and over in the scripture that we are to help those that are in need. It doesn't say just your Christian brothers or Christian sisters. It doesn't say to love just your Christian neighbors or, or, or those that have been born again, those that have been saved. It doesn't say to, to love or to help those that are white and white only or those that are black or, or anything along those lines. It says to love thy neighbor as thyself and we are commanded in the scriptures. Hey, even James says in James chapter 
number one. This is pure religion and undefiled. To care for the orphans and to care for the widows. Not because that's what's going to get us into heaven, but because, because we're on our way to heaven. That's what we are called to do. Amen. We're called to take care of our neighbors. Take care of those that are in need. Yes, sir. These men here knew the law. These men here represented the law. Represented religion. They were unable to help. This Samaritan comes along the way. Imagine this lawyer's surprise when Jesus uses a Samaritan, a filthy half-breed, in his eyes. That's what the Jews hated about the Samaritans. The Samaritans were half-Gentile and they were half-Jewish. The Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans didn't think a whole lot of the Jews. They hated one another. <clears throat> Imagine what this Jewish scribe, this Jewish lawyer thought. When Jesus said, but a Samaritan come down that way. And he saw the man. He didn't do like the priest and the Levite, those that are full-blooded Jews and those that are thoroughly entrenched in the law. He went to him. He didn't go to the other side of the road to avoid him. It says that he went to him and he bound up his wounds and he poured in wine. And, and, and he bandaged them up. He poured in the oil and he poured in the wine. He bandaged them up and he helped them along his way. And not only that, hey folks, this priest and this Levi that we read about earlier, they would have had their own animals as well. They would have had their own beasts as the scripture says this Samaritan has. They wouldn't know priest or Levi going to walk all that way down to Jericho. But we read nothing about the beast that the priest was riding on, nor the Levi. Why is that? Because there was no occasion for the for the author for the Holy Spirit to have it written about but this Samaritan this filthy half-breed in this Jew's eyes he left his beast he got the hold of a man that had fallen among the thieves he lifted him up with his own power and he put him on his own beast hey this man banished his wounds he helped him he put him on his beast he turned it the rest of the way while he walked and put him in an end to be for. Amen. My goodness, that sounds like my Jesus. Amen. I was laying there on the side of the road, just God. like you were if you were, if you were sitting here and you're born again. I was laying there on the side. My goodness, it's just like God told the Jews over in Ezekiel chapter 16. He says, I looked down upon you. He said, you've been cast out in the field. You were laying there. You were polluted in your own blood. And I looked upon thee and I said, live. Hey, Jesus Christ came by my way one day when I was on that road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He saw my sickened state. He saw my helpless state. And he helped me. He bandaged my wounds. He carried me, put me up, and said, Hallelujah, I will come again. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Jesus looked down on the Jews. I saw you polluted in your own blood. I preached a sermon about that one time. I ain't going to do it now. But it says, the Bible says, I looked down upon thee, and I said unto thee, Live. Live. That's what this Samaritan was saying to this stranger that he didn't know. Folks, I didn't know Christ when I was lost. I didn't know, but he still came to me. He still came to where I was. I didn't know him. I couldn't call him friend. I couldn't call him Redeemer. I couldn't call him Savior. He was none of those things to me. 
He was just a fictitious person in my eyes. But Christ came to where I was. And he showed me just how real he is. He showed me the realness of mercy. He showed me the realness of love. He showed me the realness of redemption. Hey, this man that was was left half naked or naked on the side of the road and beaten and left half dead there to just go on and wither and die and and so the robbers could get a hold of some other uh, poor soul that was passing by our way. This man was in the same shape that I was in when I was lost, but praise God, Jesus came my way. He saved my soul. He cleaned me up. He poured in the wine. He poured in everything that I needed. He bandaged me up and he put me up and he paid the entire price. This my Bible says that he paid two pence to the innkeeper and he said, if you spend anything more, hey, I'll pay that too. And my Jesus, he has paid the ultimate price for my salvation. He paid the ultimate price for my redemption. He paid the ultimate price that I could have relationship with him, with the Father, and live with both of them eternally, one day after a while. Amen. Amen. He said, whatever, whatever you spend, I'll pay that too, folks. You can't not give that. That's right. Amen. You can't do it. Amen. I have a good time trying. <laughs> I have a good time trying, but I can't do it. And I know I can't do it. But I love serving the Lord. Amen. I love the God that saved my soul. Amen. I love the Jesus that shed his blood for me. Amen. And I love serving him. Lord oh, God. I know that I cannot serve him like he served me. Amen. I can't serve him as he like he did. I can't go out and give my life for him like he gave his life That's for me. Cool. I ain't saying that, that it's impossible for me to be martyred as a believer in Jesus Christ. But folks, even if I was killed, even if my blood was shed, not one drop of my own blood is able to save one single soul on this planet. But the blood of Jesus Christ is able to wash away all sins. And make us fully whole. The Bible says he's not only able to save, but praise God, he's able to save to the other most. Hallelujah. He said that, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thee? How much conviction do you think is lost, Bill? How much how much do you think his heart was troubled? I would hope a whole lot. I would hope. A whole lot. He said, "He that showed mercy on him." And Jesus said, "Go and do." Then Jesus said unto him, "Go and do thou likewise." You go and you do this thing. You know the law. Folks, I didn't have the New Testament. We're reading the New Testament. We're reading an account out of the New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. All they had was that and the Old Testament. Everybody said, "My goodness, that's." It's a book, or several books, it's 39 books of nothing but judgment and nothing but condemnation, folks. The grace of God is all over the Old Testament. God didn't have to call Abram out of Ur. He didn't have to bring up his children out of Egypt. He didn't have to deliver David. He didn't have to deliver Samson. He didn't have to do any of the things that he did in the scriptures. And people will look at it and they'll say, God didn't deliver Samson. Hey, Samson's listed as one of the heroes of faith. Samson got himself 
himself in trouble. Now, yes, he did. But hey, I don't think that God would have him listed in Hebrews chapter 11. If Samson had been had, had died a lost man, what we would refer to as a lost man, God delivered these people in the Old Testament. He delivered his people, the Israelites. He delivered David. He delivered so many of them. And that was surely and utterly by nothing but the grace of Almighty God that it was done. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God delivered me one day. He done it by the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. He done it because of his grace. He done it with his grace. He done it that Jesus would not die in vain. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. In the words of Paul to the church at Ephesus. He said, go and do that likewise. Are we doing likewise, church? Speaking to the church. Folks, if you're out here lost and you're doing these things, I got news for you. You're still lost. Yes. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how many good deeds you do, how many hungry mouths you feed, how many naked people you clothe. If you do it outside of Jesus Christ, it's all for naught. It's so that you'll get your own hand pat, hand, uh, or backpack from the world. And that's not a good reason. But we, the saved, born-again children of God, the bride of Christ, we do these things. Because of what? We have not only the power of God that I spoke about in the beginning of this thing. We have not only the power of God living inside of us, but we have the love of God abiding inside of us. And the Bible says, we all know it, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If God loved the world that much, should not we love the world that much if we have that same love abiding within us? He says, go and do that rock life. Go and do just like the Samaritan that I'm talking about. What a, what a shot to the guts this was for this scribe. Say, you want me to do as a Samaritan? As a half-breed? Somebody that I've hated all my life? Y'all remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus goes to the well and that Samaritan woman's up there and his disciples show back up and they're like, why are you hanging out with this Samaritan woman? This is my own, this is, this is my own paraphrasing. Why are you hanging out with her? Praise God, Jesus had special occasion to go by that well because he knew there'd be a Samaritan woman show up there and he knew that she was lost. He knew her spiritual condition. He knew her physical condition. He knew everything about that woman. And by the end of that conversation, praise God, you see that Samaritan woman running back into the city saying, come see a man that told me everything about myself. He knew everything about me. Come see this prophet. Hey, God had done redeemed her. Jesus Christ had done set this woman free and what did she do her first deed after being set free was she went to spread the gospel we pass by people every day church every day of our lives sometimes we live with them sometimes we work with them we might go to school with them we might pass them on the sidewalk or in food city or in walmart or wherever we pass by people that are upright and walking but folks really and truly they're laying at the side of the road and they're naked and they're bruised and they're wounded and they need someone to pick them up they need someone to bind their wounds they need someone to point them in the way of the same jesus that saved your soul Take advantage of those opportunities. Take advantage of them, church. I encourage you. It's our job to point people in the direction of Jesus. It's our job. The Samaritan, it was his job as a human being to help this poor soul that was on the side of the road. It's our job as children of God 
to help those that are in need. There's an entire lost world around us that stands in need of Jesus Christ. Right. So that's the message for this morning. God bless you. I appreciate your attention. Amen. <coughs>